expressed on the following broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT, Take 12 Radio, or our affiliates. The opinions on this show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice and are those of the host, co-host, and guest. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Welcome to Entitled to Overcome, Exploring Solutions for Life Today, a presentation of Take 12 Recovery Radio. And now, here are your co-hosts, Dave Fleming and the Monty Man. Sing it, Dave. Sing it. Play them drums. That's right. Well, welcome aboard. Welcome to Tank 12 Recovery Radio's presentation of Entitled to Overcome Solutions for Life Today with CADC Level 2, Mr. Dave Fleming, better known as Vid. Hey, Vid. <laughs> and, and, and an update. An update. I am, my license in Minnesota has been reinstated. You're, you're licensed for... So I'm licensed you're licensed drug and alcohol, alcohol counselor yeah. in Minnesota. Did you? Yeah, have- I had to do some education, right. you know, CDUs yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Update stuff. Pay. Uh, oh, there's pay some money. There's Denver. Uh-huh. Howdy. Hi, Denver. I thought hey, I'd bop over and see you, what the buzz is. Where about. did you come from? <laughs> yeah, Denver's here. Uh, <clears throat> Denver from the ever popular uh, Great Reality Show, the first and second Monday of the month. Denver popped in today, and uh, I hope he pops in on the third Monday of the month every week. That would be kind of cool. Uh, possibly. Yeah, you never know. Anyway, um, well, how the heck is everybody? Are are you enjoying all the changes good. that have been going on in the world? Doing good. <laughs> you guys probably don't have wines on this show, do you? Uh, no, that's sometimes. a good. I was going to say that's a good We're, thing. Uh, <laughs> cannot uh, confirm nor yeah. deny. <laughs> well, um, so the topic this week that Dave uh, wants to uh, address is resistance to change and uh you know i was listening to a guy talk the other day about how he um he disagreed with with folks that said um change is painful he said i'm telling you what if you don't change and you stay stuck you're going to experience much more pain than what change is going to bring so you have to stop being resistant resistant to change and I and I heard that after you, Dave, had brought up the topic of this, and I thought, yeah, that's a really good point. You know, well, in even you know, even change, you know, can be painful a little bit. Sure, it can especially when you're making like total changes in your life. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're doing something that you've never done before, right? Um, having to you know break off relationships, jobs. Moving to another, another moving, location. Moving to another state. Yeah. I mean, that's can be painful. I mean, we call it growing pains. You know, when you're when you're when you're you know growing up, we call them growing pains. Yeah, um, it's just a different way. And I, then it's all about your attitude. I mean, you can have a good attitude or a bad attitude. I remember uh, when I was living in Houston, Texas, and uh, I was I was looking for a job, any job, you know, Seven Eleven, anything. Uh, until I could get get back in the hotel industry that I was working in back then, and I remember I had resume in hand and all that stuff, pulling up to these little mom and pop places, gas stations, anything I could get, getting ready to walk in the door, and the idea of something new stopped me, and I get back in the car and drive away. Right, that is scary as that's I, scary oh, stuff out. yeah and i think i think we have some probably listeners that can identify with that you don't like to admit that but it's kind of creepy i mean right you know the whole okay this is going to be a new boss this is going to be new new people i don't know any of these people i'm going to look foolish i'm i'm insecure i'm neurotic i'm emotional <laughs> you know all that stuff uh until you actually cross over that threshold and then it's most of the time not as bad as you think it's going right. to be and you get used to it and that's what co- recovery is all about too is like, right you know a lot of times that going to that first meeting 
yes. can be just as scary. I remember sitting out in front of places uh, and not going to the meeting. Yeah. You know, because yeah, it was new. Well, in my first experience with meetings was back in the day, as they say, yeah. where when they used to be able to smoke in the rooms. Right. And uh, I remember my my thought process at the time was like, what the heck? You know, I walk in, it's like, and I don't, you know, I'm not a smoker. I think I was chewing back in that. Oh, the clouds that form. (laughs) Hazy look. When when you don't smoke, you you see everything. When you you smoke, you don't even notice it. It's like, man, whatever. But uh, I remember sitting there thinking, how the heck does anybody... Get sober right. or stay sober when all they do is talk about drinking. Right. Well, and at that time, I still hadn't totally bought into it. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I wasn't ready. To, I, you know, I know now that I wasn't ready to quit. That's why mm-hmm. that's what I got out of the meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went back later on, years later, you know, I now I recognize that that they're just telling their stories. Yeah. Sharing their experience drinking home. Sure. Sure. But all I heard was drink, drink, drink. Yeah. So I went out to my truck and drank, drank. drank, drank. <laughs> well, I, I I remember thinking to myself, <laughs> I want to drink more now than I did when I walked in the door. Huh. Yeah, you know. Trigger. Trigger. Glad I'm not as bad as those people. <laughs> I know. Well, I remember going to, to NA meetings over in Corvallis and thinking, leaving there, and my heart was pumping. I'm not yeah. thinking, man. Swinging into 7-Eleven, huh? I'm getting a little <laughs> dopamine rush just by listening to these people being so descriptive about their drug use. Yeah. Um, which It's scarier now. Yeah. You can actually just sit at home and have it delivered to your house. Oh, I know. What's Mail order. That? Yeah. Yeah, you can. Nobody yeah. will even know you're using because you can just have it delivered to your house. Thank the, you, COVID. The postal <laughs> pot guy. Uh yeah yeah Jeez. please yeah. do not do this at home yeah <laughs> this is not professional this or psychological only... advice right <laughs> oh my gosh all right uh well let's see here what's going That's on next deep oh there it is and here we go oh, it's time for Dave and Monty's icebreaker. Okay. It's all new to me. <laughs> yeah. Those dang protesters. Oh, don't get me started. We got another broken window, Monty. Ah, uh, boy. Okay. Yeah. Where to start? How do I address this? <laughs> I I don't want one to... leg at a time. I don't. I don't want. To jeez, to offend him? Just rip off the band aid. It's this mask thing. <laughs> I, I, I'm just... I, Put your mask on, Dave. <laughs> y- you know, I, I do I care... Just say no. Do I care about my neighbor? Sure I do. Yeah. If I don't wear a mask when I'm washing my car in my driveway, does that mean I don't care about my neighbor? That's ludicrous. Give me a break. Who are you going to catch it from? Your truck? I don't know. But, I mean, really? The soapy the water? Neighbor, the neighbor goes, don't don't you care? Seriously? Huh? This didn't actually happen to me, oh. but I, I know somebody this happened to just a couple days ago. They're washing their car. Oh, my God. And their neighbor comes out and scolds them. And this isn't even in a neighborhood where the houses are right up against each other. Right? This is in a pretty broad kind of like here yeah you know um and they scold them for not wearing a mask on their own property get away from me i i just can uh, somebody explain to me the mentality watch your own bobber yeah please <laughs> Jiminy Christmas. Uh, i mean okay i mean we i got my my neighbors i i love them man my my neighbors and the ones across the street yeah they all come over uh, to the neighbor's house, and they've they've gotten creative, mm-hmm. right? They pl- remember uh, uh, remember the old drinking games, you know, beer pong, pong yeah. right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah. So they've they've they went and got a bunch of buckets from Home Depot, yeah, and they first they were using like a basketball 
with the buckets were filled halfway with water so yeah. they wouldn't tip over and then they got some smaller smaller balls and that's yeah yeah they just you know kind of toss it over and it, and then they got like point values or something for each it's kind of set up like a bowling you know right, like bowling right, pins yeah, right and you know they're not social distancing in fact they're right. even out there drinking right I live, I live in a 55 or older complex. Yeah. And I have yet to see a single person in there with a mask on. I mean, we, we're we not sitting at the bingo table right now. You mm-hmm. know, it, it's been shut down for the time being. Mm-hmm. But nobody there is wearing a mask. Yeah. I mean, we're just using some real common sense. You well, know, yeah. you don't get in somebody's face and cough. Isn't that what you do no- yeah. normally? That's normally. what you should be doing. Norm- you know, it's sad. It's sad to me that it's taken all of this, no matter what side of the political platform you're on, no matter what side of the who matters and who doesn't matter you're on and all that stuff. Why did it take this to get people to wash their hands after they poop? <laughs> you, what is up with that? It's not even that. I mean, you know, it, I've we've. But people I don't. learned this back when I was like, yeah, probably yep. five years old, right? You cough into your elbow, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. We don't always, always do that. it. Yeah, you wash your hands, you know, all the time, basically. So, and then, you know, what's the other one? Oh, yeah, you you're you're a little distance, right? You don't right. want to get in. So, I don't get in somebody else's bubble. I don't like. Oh, I'm going to go shopping, so I'm going to go stand next to everyone in the aisle, I, just to like. I really kind of be think friendly that. There are people getting a kick. Oh, they're out of, just rolling on the floor. <laughs> getting a kick. No, well, no that are getting a kick out of wearing a mask. Oh, yeah. Oh, I and, think, yeah. Sure. And I'm going, you guys like this? It's Halloween. It's a mild Halloween. If you're going to do something, dress up like steampunk, you know, make it count. I, lo- I love the mask that you had on Facebook. Yeah. That, right? That was awesome. Yeah. I was going say, to say, where's your mask? Sli- slip it on, Dave. <laughs> Give them a view. But, you know, there are people that do need to be educated. Here's a good example. I was at Walmart in Corvallis a couple days ago. Yeah. And there was a lady... That, you know, she didn't have a mask on either. Right. She walked up. She was probably six feet away. I don't think it was even planned. But mm-hmm. all of a sudden, she's <laughs> coughing into her hands. Yeah. And then, and then reaching <laughs> yeah. for stuff on the shelf. And I'm like, these are the people that we need to be protected Gee, from. Because these are the people that spread the flu germs. And, you know, in the season. Mm-hmm. I was at Freddy's getting some uh, watermelon <laughs> and... Uh, I had a guy roll up on my shoulder without a mask on because I'm not wearing one either. I practiced social distancing yeah. long before COVID right? came in. He rolls up on my shoulder and starts talking to me, and I just turn at him, look at him, and I walked away. It's like, don't get that close to me, all right? I yeah. was here. You take a second, and I'm, I don't want to talk with you about watermelon, all right? Yeah. Just and, and you might that might be a person that actually is sick. Yeah. And is spreading it. There are people out there that do that kind of yeah. thing. The sickness. Right? Yeah. Because remember back in the day when, when AIDS was a thing? Oh, yeah. People were out there spreading well, it on it's, purpose. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, they were. It's still a thing. Well, you know well, what? And listen, if you, not... if, if I, I don't care what century you live in, if you've got the flu or a serious cold and you go shopping, it it would be advisable to throw throw a mask <laughs> on if you're going out in public. So, yeah. you know, that's okay. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. But let me ask you this. Why... Why are people driving alone in their cars with masks on? <laughs> because the news says if you leave your house, you must wear a mask. That, I'm not watching that news channel, fortunately. Wow. Yeah, I understand That's what, what law the enforcement... governor is saying. You know the oh, whatever K- the Katie? whatever the orders are for yeah oh, the your yeah. and all that. It's like <clears throat> there's I've heard people say, you know. Sometimes they say it's recommended, but right. they say when you leave your house, you wear a mask. So people are like taking that literally because they've been scared to death because of yeah. all this. Yeah. I mean, the CDC just posted a thing uh, the other day. I I shared it. It just said, yeah, now our numbers are getting to be where they were during a, a flu season. Mm-hmm. I'm like, here's your evidence right here. Yeah. This is nothing more than, you know, a bad flu. I mean- Maybe it's a little more contagious. You know, I'm not saying it's not, uh, it's not, you know, concerning. Right. But I think on some levels, 
you know, people have gone way overboard. And I'm pro- we're probably going to get people writing in or oh. unfriending, that's all right. unfriending yeah. me. That's and right. I'm okay with that, but that's just that's my opinion. Okay. <clears throat> we, uh, we have a lot of people that listen to uh, the productions here at Take 12 Recovery Radio that don't agree with us and they keep listening. So Yeah, that's a good thing. They're, they're they, either very mature or they're very weird. Well, it's just like <laughs> they, going to they a, like pain. It's just like going to a meeting, right? Yeah, you're not going to always agree oh, no. with the pe- what people no. say, or you know, no. I was, in fact, I was experience. In, I don't relate to that at all. I was at a meeting the other day. I was at, at a meeting, a twelve step meeting the other day, and uh, the topic went in the direction of of um, loneliness and and. Um, you know, feeling alone in in a crowd of people and that kind of thing. And I referenced when I used to live in Yosemite National Park, and everybody was my buddy, and I partied with everybody and buying beer, you know, and how I bought these these huge beer growler mugs. They weren't even called growlers back then. That she got from Kmart, the big glass <laughs> mugs, right? And I bought six of them, and I filled each one of them up. Those were all mine. <laughs> those are from those are for, those are for me, right? I don't want to take the time to repour when right, I start. Right. Well, you know, it's like you want to make sure that you got your supplies, <laughs> yeah, my yeah, zone, yeah, uh, taken care of, and then what what's left, then you share sure, with others. Sure, but I, oh, I, I went know. the bag back in the day. You know, you you yeah. take some, you put it in. A, <laughs> this is all I have. And I, then, ha- I had two fifths, <laughs> right, right, mine and ours. Yeah, yeah, right. So I'm sharing this, and how and then the one you drink before you even get there. And, and 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 how everybody was my friend and all that kind of stuff, and I swore to myself that I would stop drinking if I ever started drinking alone. Oh, well, geez. that didn't work. That's my favorite because well, I came you to a, a point in the you living in Yosemite. Yeah, but I had all these friends in Yosemite that party too because it's a company town, and you're an hour and a half to two hours away from anything else. So what do you have to do? But you know, snort coke and drink booze, and and so. But nobody wanted to drink with me anymore. I had alienated everybody. And there I was in my cabin right next to the sidewalk where all these tourists are, right? All these people all over the place, me and my six beer growlers. And nobody wanted to drink with Monty anymore. And I felt so alone. And then I made the mention that I haven't felt alone like that in years. Um, and, and I give a lot, you know, most of that credit, of course, goes to, to, to God, but God working through the 12 step process and recovery and so forth. I don't feel that way anymore. In fact, I cherish my times that I get to spend alone right now. And somebody came up with this. This is how people are. They had to rebut it. Right. And they said, they shared after me and they said, well, I'm just not that spiritual. I guess I'm just not spiritual. You know, and, and you can hear the rebuttal going on. And I thought to myself, and I'd also mentioned the fact that I'm learning emotional sobriety where you can be you and I can be me and there's room enough for two, right? Even if we disagree on issues. I'm just, you know, emotional sobriety is fine, but I'm just not that spiritual yet. You're you still know. in kindergarten. And I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking to myself, at first it started to irritate me, and then I realized what I had just said. These things don't irritate me like they used to. So I thought, am I getting irritated like I used to? And then it stopped, and I wasn't. I was at total peace with the fact that the guy was indirectly throwing my comments under the bus, which happens a lot in meetings, by the way, you know. (laughs) And it was okay. It was okay. So, yeah, we... We're not going to be on the same page. We're, we're a mixed bag of people in the recovery community. And if you can't survive that without, you know, exit stage left every time you see that guy's car in the parking lot at the meeting, you're going to be in, in sad shape. Right. You know, you, you don't you don't worry about what the guy's political view is that you're sitting next to at a ball game. Right. Or even in even in no, church, nobody answered. Nobody answered. <laughs> are you? A I lib- don't go to ball. Are you games, a liberal? So. I, don't, I don't go to ball games. I don't either. go to ball games. So. I just thought it was good. Or a concert. If you're at a if you're at a rock concert, you stop and go. By the way, are you conservative or liberal? Probably not. Probably not. And if it was back loud. in the day, I was just like, hey, pass that over, bud. Yeah. You didn't ask for his opinion about it. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> All right. Well, that, that's it for the icebreaker. And, and uh, we'll take a little break, and then we'll come back with the topic. Resistance to change on this no! episode. No! No! <laughs> Woo! And there it's the Monty Man. And in studio with me right now is Pastor Sean Silveri and Khalil Burton. What exactly is Welcome to the Table? Well, Welcome to the Table is a podcast all about coming together and learning more about Jesus from one another. Um, the Table is a place of unity and conversation, so we wanted to capture that imagery. Yeah, and we're just simply on this adventure together, you know, talking through and plumbing the rich depths of the Christian faith and exploring how to be followers of Jesus together in a world of uncertainty and change. And we just love for people to join us and be a part of the conversation, Monty Man. Sounds like a very powerful broadcast, and we need to know how listeners can tune in. Yeah, well, we are on all major podcast platforms, specifically Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so you can check us out. All you got to do is look up Welcome to the Table, and you'll find us there. You can also follow the links right here at Take12Radio.com. Hi, this is Colin Meyer, the producer of the Welcome to the Table podcast, and you are listening to the recovery talk and positive music of Take 12 Recovery Radio. All right, welcome back. This is Entitled to Overcome Solutions for Life Today, a production of Take 12 Recovery Radio with CADC Level 2, Mr. Dave Fleming. If you're watching on YouTube, there he is. Hello, Dave. And Denver Wolf is in the studio as, ow, 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 ow. as well. <laughs> that, that's a sad attempt. Oh, my goodness. All right. So resistance to change. Um, mm. Boy, we do resist it. And um, we, don't, we don't like it. But much of the time, well, it's a necessary thing, right, Dave? I'm not resistant. When I made my mind up to change, <laughs> I changed. No resistance. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 um, yeah, yeah, you know, I like you know how that works, just right? the yeah. first, the first paragraph. you can read the rest of it, but the first paragraph, is it just for today? It is the first paragraph in just for today, um, in the topic resistance to change. It says many of us cling to our fears, doubts, self-loathing, our hatred, because there is a certain distorted security in familiar pain. It seems safer to embrace what we know than to let go of it for the unknown. That's like what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And you know, when I read that the the first time, it my mind went to uh, the fourth step. The and, inventory and step. And not being completely honest. Oh, the rigorous honesty yeah, is you required know how, you to know, do that. I mean, I don't know if you did this, but I know when I did my first fourth step. Yeah. I wasn't completely honest because, well, it maybe not the fourth step, the fifth step, right? Because mm-hmm. there's certain things that I didn't write down. Right. But they were in my head. Right. And then when I went to go do my fifth step, they're still in my head, but there's no way I'm going I'm to not tell sharing anyone. Because you're going to run away from me if, if I tell you that. Well. Or I'm going to be embarrassed or humiliated or. It was the fear of the unknown because. Maybe. I, I had never actually spewed that stuff. I've out never before. actually done that before, mm. right? right. I've, ne- I, it, I've kept everything really tight to the best. Going to go to the grave with that. No one. one really knew me. Yeah, completely. Right, and so you know, I had to create this, you know, this this image back in the day, and it kind of. You know, it's some of it still has stuck with me. Um, did you make up anything? Did you did you exaggerate it all, embellish in your fourth step and fifth step, first time? No, I didn't. I just left stuff out. Wow. See, I embellished. No, I uh, I what I did is I I put down uh, what I could remember, and then there were some things that I didn't. Mm. I didn't write down, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The first time is I I did a program I went to was twenty eight days, and so I did up to the fifth step, right? While I was there, and when I got to do the fifth step, I had a, an opportunity to do it with a with a, a pastor, 
he might have even been a Catholic priest. I'm not really right. Some sure. clergy member, but clergy. yeah. And yeah. so uh, that was comforting because part of me was like, you know, logically and on paper, it says that he can't, you know, right share it with anybody else. This is just between us. But there's still we have but. Right. Yeah. There's always that possibility because yeah. you hear all these bad things about sure priests and or you, right, you hear right. stories of people in in treatment. So what if so, he does tell? Yeah, because yeah. then it makes it real. And if you know, it's like even though it's not, if, you know, nothing is really going to come of it. Even if I did tell it, it's like. Mm-hmm. It's not that big big of a deal. At least I was like, well, I don't need to share that because that's just, you know, an instant in time that it was just here and there and right. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I left some stuff out and I thought, okay, we're we're good. And I basically, you know, I don't even. I guess you could call it relapse because I did have a period of sobriety. Um, but I started drinking pretty much right away. I mean, I was drinking in aftercare. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I've shared this story before. I was like mm-hmm. during aftercare, you know, I I would come in and, you know, I got, got through that. And then I became friends with the guy uh, that was teaching, that was facilitating later on after he left that job. Uh, and we got to talking and, and, he said, uh, I knew you were drinking. And I was like, right. well, why did you let me keep coming? Because <laughs> you showed up and you were trying. Yeah. And I thought that was one of those things, you know, you, you go through in life where, you know, you get these little seeds planted. Sure. And yeah. it, like, changes yeah. everything. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, oh, that guy, like. New and still didn't beat gave me, me a shot, right? It didn't didn't, didn't hammer me. down on you, yeah, right? Didn't yeah. shame yeah. me and didn't, right. you know. And you re- see that you remember that out of all sorts of didn't things, didn't like you, you remember that, yeah, rip me in group, you know, um, or anything like that. So that was one of the you know, those things kind of added up over the years. You know, the next time I did it, I, I, uh, I still I did everything, mm-hmm. but. I totally like forgot about the the one thing I left out the last time. Yeah. And uh but I went through what is it? 5 6 7 8. So I did it up to stit uh I did a partial step 8 while I was in treatment. And a couple months later I was in a class called Truth and Freedom at my church and it brought to light a bunch of stuff and that came up. And so I, I immediately, you know, it was like step 10, right? Mm-hmm. I got together with my, um, my, uh, pastor and the, the, the pastor that was the lady that was, uh, running the class. And I did kind of a, you know, mini step five slash step 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I basically, you know, put it out there and, and I, you know, finally was able to talk about it and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that big deal, but it was one of those things that, you know, being, you know, there's, you're, you're leaving stuff out and I may have, you know, over the years, certain things have come up, mm-hmm. um, that I didn't even think about or didn't remember at the time when I was doing all this. And so what I do is I do the 10th step. I don't go back and do another fourth step. Right. Fourth and fifth step, I do a 10th step, and then I, I make them direct amends, you know, as best I can, if I can. Because at that point, we, we intu- you know, like the literature said, we, we get to a point where we kind of intuitively know how to handle things. That, right. They used to baffle us. So you don't have to go back and do a formal I don't working need to start all over. of one through yeah. nine. Yeah. You know how to apply those wherever they need a, a, to be applied at the time. Um, that they need to be applicable. And, the, you know, that applies to the, the reading because in prior to that, mm-hmm. you know, there's no way. Right, right. And, and even if stuff came up, I was like, yeah, well, okay, I, what's the big deal? Let's move on. Or I wouldn't, you know, <laughs> you know, how many times did I, did I try to do it my way, right? Yeah. 
and never never got anywhere. I, I think it's really interesting that it said the statement that it says, and I think it's very very accurate. There's a certain distorted security and familiar pain. Um, it's almost soothing to in a dis- very dysfunctional way. It's kind of like it's kind of like the the person that's in that abusive relationship, right? Right. People say, "Well, why doesn't she leave, or why doesn't he leave?" Well, it's not that simple. That that's familiar, right? Even though it's painful and hard and horrible, it's not as at least the perception of it is that it's not as horrible as something new, right? Which is like you said, the world of the unknown, right? You know, and I know how to maneuver this. A lot of people just keep doing the same thing over and over again because it's familiar. They know. They know what to expect. Right. Right? And so they know, like, how to act, how to not act during certain situations. Yes. You know, abuse is a big one, um, both men and women. It's like we get, we, for some reason, we get stuck with this feeling that we need this or this is all, this is what I deserve. Right? Mm-hmm. This is, must be what it's supposed to be like because I keep doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I try to do better, but nothing changes. It, it's like that. That's what I'm saying. That painful, sometimes positive change can be very painful because it's like, now I'm going to go, uh, like, you know, leave the state or go into a shelter or whatever it is. Right. 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 And it, it's like, I have no clue. I don't know what that's like. Yeah. I'm used to, you know, somebody, you know, taking care of me or I'm used to taking care of somebody else because that's what defines me. Right. And so we have to get to a point and usually it's, it's when when bad things happen Mm -hmm. and we're forced to change either, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, kids are involved and that's the other part of it right sure it's hard to change because there's there's other things that to it have to be taken into consideration it's complicated it's level faceted you know and and that uh, it says when the pain of remaining the same becomes greater than the pain of changing we will change right um i'm wondering i'm thinking about some folks that all three of us know um that completed a year-long um, recovery program and residential and went out into the real world and got jobs in the automobile industry as far as like sales goes, right? Started making some good money and each and every one, except for one guy that I know of, each and every one of them ended up falling off the rails, falling really, really hard, right? And I keep hearing things from other people that talk to them. Well, they're embarrassed. They're they're full of shame. That's why they don't want to come back or they don't want to go to meetings or they don't want to contact the people that they know care about them because they're scared or they're fearful of, of the change that's going to come about, right, if they step out of their dysfunction and back into the light. And I'm wondering, I see what your opinion on this, Dave, um, some people would say, well, that's just a, that's because they're addicts or because they're alcoholics. Is it or is it because they're human and they're scared to death? Well, again, change? we go back to, you know, the basis of all this. Right. You, you're, you're talking about addicts, right? Yeah. And they're using drugs. Right. Right. Well, the problem isn't the drugs. Right. That's the just problem a isn't the addict. The problem is whatever happened in their life that they're not willing to work through or can't or like we're talking about or stuck in that situation because it's comfortable. It's easier to be in this and do the same thing. Right. They know how to, to hi- go to, then to go work at McDonald's instead of going and working at a car dealership where you're making, you making know, you're a making, big commission. Yeah. You know, ten twenty thousand $20,000 a month. And so they know, they know really well how to hide. They know how to stay in the shadows 
they don't really want to be in the shadows, but they know it so well. I, I, I get that. Yeah, and then they get involved with people that are, you know, that are horrible and evil and yeah, just drag them because they know how to play that game. Right. They play that game thinking, I won't get caught up in this. Yep. I'll just do this so that I can get to where I need to go mm-hmm. to make the extra money. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. but then pretty soon, you know, that evil person snares one, two, three other people. Yep, yep. And then you're either in or you're out. There you go. And if you're not in, then you're basically, you know, you're trashed. Do and you- that's a lot of jobs are like that with people that are struggling with addiction. So you have to get out of that and go do something that. Where there's no addicts, right? Or you at least get some more time under your belt where you're have a positive life, right? Yeah, I can't think of anything crazier than four or five uh, addicts leaving a treatment program or a residential center and then all going to work in an industry that actually promotes drinking at 3 o'clock, brings out the cart, Right? Promotes lining up lines on the desk after work. I mean... During work. I mean, I, or during you work. You got to work 12, 14-hour days, right? Right. And I'm like... And that is in a lot of industries. Right. You know, I, I remember um, they interviewed a guy that was in that, that uh, TV series Suits. Mm-hmm. And 3 o'clock, there comes the cart with the alcohol. And he was saying that that is so true to form you know, within law, within within the law, the, the profession of lawyers, yeah. you know, and the alcoholism rate is so high. Uh, so to get out of where you are so used to and you know so well and and not resist the change is almost unnatural because isn't it natural to resist change? Yeah. I mean, I had to leave a total, I had to totally leave an industry and mm-hmm. go to something totally different right. where I'm working with people in recovery i mean the the fact that you have to be sober in order to work this job that i have yeah there you go or right 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 right. i mean that's even if you know you you live in a state where things are legal still most jobs have a policy that you cannot you know be intoxicated Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or have it in your system even and so it's it's interesting um, and then I know for me, for the, like the first year, my plan was, and I, you, you know, anybody that's been listening for a while has heard me say this before. is like, I gave myself, I made a, a deal with God basically. Um, <laughs> and you know how, you know, he, he kind of snickers at that. I'll, I'll never do it again. Well, it wasn't <laughs> that it was like, okay, I'm, I've done it every way that you can think of and yeah. now I'm going to do it the way that's been suggested right the program finally I'm following <laughs> the idiot's guide to recovery right? right right and I'm gonna do this to the best of my ability for an entire year and if it does my life doesn't change then I can go back to doing what I was doing and within a few months if that, my my i could see my life changing of course you know i had this intervent this this spiritual inf- intervention while i was in detox mm-hmm. right but uh still it was like now my my head's clear but i got i got to relearn how to live i got to relearn how to like deal with people i got to relearn how to communicate i got to like remember that you know this thing that i did happened this way and not that way yeah right yeah i caught myself one time uh at church um i don't even remember what the conversation was about or even really what i said which isn't really important Mm -hmm. but you know it was like being back in the day where everyone's trying to talk over each other and one-upmanship and all this and i started telling this story that i've told a million times right uh but it's always, you know, stretched. There's probably 10% that truth and the rest is exaggerated. Mm-hmm. 
Well, about a quarter of the way through, I caught myself and I'm like, that didn't happen. So I stopped and I'm like, I I'm have looking done that. around. I've been there. And I'm going, did anybody notice? Did anybody <laughs> realize? Does anybody know? Right. And yeah. I took like a half a step back yeah. out of the circle and nobody's saying anything or even mm. looking at me. So I'm good. I'm just going to stand there and listen to everybody else mm -hmm. now. But it was like, you know, four or five years into my recovery. Right. Wow. Yeah. And it's like yeah. that. I mean, I've told stories uh, for so long, the same exact way to everyone that it's like it is truth now. Yeah. Or it was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that kind of speaks to those 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 grooves that are formed in the brain. Right. You know, uh, when doing something over and over and over again, not not just narcotics or, or different addictions, but. Yeah, that constant, you know, and, and then it, it isn't a moral issue anymore. It's actually a brain issue. Right. Right. Uh, and well, that, it can be very, very hard to overcome. And you have to, re, you know, you have to reset your, you know, your brain. There's there's books out there and, and, you know, things that have the title of, you know, change your mind and the rest will follow or something similar to yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, there's a few of them out there. And that's, it's true because I, I mean, that's what I did is like, uh, for an entire year. Well, I went to meetings every day for almost two years. Um, but for at least the first year, probably this, probably that whole time actually too in my life is like I changed uh, the movies I watched. I changed the music I listened to. I changed TV that I watched. Um, all that, it was a little difficult at times, you know? Mm -hmm. But uh, it it was helpful because I was able to reset my brain. I would only put positive things did, did into you my brain or I'd watch stuff about recovery or addiction and how someone went from the addiction to recovery. Were you surprised? Were you things. surprised at how little you actually missed the things you gave up? I don't even remember what I gave up. I know. I mean, I, I've, I, I, I used to be a special <laughs> effects guy, right? I, I, yeah. I would, I would back in the VCR days, um, I would tape anything that had major special effects, which lent itself a lot of times to horror movies, things that were promoting, you know, demonology. I mean, because that whole world is very special effects savvy, right? Right. And so, that that was my thing. I loved the special effects. Well, I got real convicted about that. It was like God was speaking to my heart and saying, "It saddens me that pleases you." You know, not that it's you're know, going to burn in hell for it, but it just that pleases you. And I got thinking about that. Do I really want that in my home? And so I gathered up all those things, all those videotapes, and I dumped them. And you know what? I never once missed any of them. Yep. And then there was uh, a day I went and got uh, I saw a movie in the thrift store. I don't know, Denver, if you were... Uh, we talked about yeah, that. Yeah, it was yeah. Um, The Talented Mr. Ripley was the movie. Mm. Um, and I got... I said, man, that is such a great movie about this guy. You know, he, he's a con artist and, you know, he just pulls all these things and it's so well done. The acting is superior. And I watched that thing and I was like, Yuck. <laughs> this is horrible. I mean, it wasn't horrible quality-wise. It was good quality-wise. Yeah. It didn't fit in my spirit anymore. So did you, when you say that you dumped the stuff, what did you? What does that mean? I trashed it. I threw it away. You th okay. So. I literally destroyed it. I took it to the, we had a trailer and we were loading a bunch of stuff up and we took it to the dump. We dumped it all. I didn't give it to somebody else. I didn't. Well, I quit smoking pot, so I gave well, my bomb. Maybe to the my guy name. at the, the dumps <laughs> pulled it out. But yeah, no, that's kind of where I was going. Is like yeah. I did the same thing, but I, you know, I, I somewhere along the line, I heard you know if you get rid of it, all you're doing is passing it on to the next person. Yeah, sometimes so you that's basically true. destroy it, right? You know, and so that's that's what I did. Is I destroyed anything that was you know negative. I mean, I even had a, a deck of tarot cards at one point. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, I, I basically, you know, I had to trash them. I destroyed them. But now why would we give something to somebody that we are totally against? Right. That makes no sense to me. Well, 
I think it's a, a lot of times it's because of things that are ingrained in us, like right? that the whole change thing, right? Right. Um, we're taught at least. I was taught, you know, the value of a dollar, right? Yeah, I spent all that money I on that. I spent all that money, and, you know, if you, you know, you can't buy it with cash. My, my family was as big about, if you can't buy it with cash, right. then, you sh- then you can't afford it. And so the stuff that you buy, it's like there's a value to it. Mm-hmm. Or if something that can be, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I destroyed that I could have resold for more money. Mm-hmm. But then I'm just passing on that then curse, passing on the garbage, you know, to yeah. somebody else. And but that's so, changed. That's a mindset change. That, that is a total mindset. That's hard change. to break, and it's yeah, because that. it's. I mean, it's like that's why would I throw money away? Yeah, Denver, what do you think of all this change stuff? I'm enjoying listening. <laughs> you know, it's good to sit and shut up and just listen sometimes. Change, huh? Uh I think fear has so much to do with change. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a percentage of fear that is good that will cause you to change. It will help you. It will get you moving. You know, I went, yeah, it's a motivator. Yeah, right? I, yeah. Went, I went through some health issues, and uh, you know, I'm laying there thinking, "Is this it?" But you can really evaluate. And you're thinking, I've got to change. And it can be a good motivator. On the other hand, the larger portion of fear, for me, will cause me to uh, not move at all. I Don't fix it if it's not broken. When uh, I was in addiction, I didn't realize that it was that broken. You know, you didn't uh, realize how broken it was. How how yeah. how broken it was because yeah. I was in the addiction. So why would I want to fix it? it? It seems to be working. Uh, I mean, there's a part of you going, God, I'm so tired of this. Yeah, but it, it's it's scary to think to get up that day and not have a drink. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you're in addiction, you're gonna feel bad for a while, especially if you're become chemically dependent on yes. something yeah you're gonna yeah. be sick for a while and yeah. I, I don't care what you're on it's gonna you're sure. not you're not gonna want to feel that way so you're not gonna change mm-hmm. so you i'll do it tomorrow i'll change tomorrow and tomorrow never seems to get there yeah you know every day is the same so uh fear fear to me plays uh, probably 100 percent of change it'll either be good or it'll be bad. Mm-hmm. But change is uh, once you. It's funny. I get up every day, shower in the morning time there, and I turn the same way in the shower every day. All right. <laughs> and, and, right. and I never huh? thought of that. Wh- I, what? I do. Well, t- take a look at that. I, ch- I wash the left pit yeah, first, exactly. and then the right pit. But it kind of freaks me out. And I'm I'm aware of this mm-hmm. when I I begin to go the other way, and I say, "Oh, I don't know if I want to chance that because it might mess up my karma for the day." Mm-hmm. So sometimes I just force myself to go the other direction in the shower, and yeah. It, and it's not comfortable, but I make it through the day, right? You know, and I have to laugh at that. I'm going, "Wow, God. Denver, you are so programmed." Mm-hmm. And and to me, uh. Everyone's going to think about Denver turning in the shower now. <laughs> Let's not dwell on that too oh, long. Oh, boy. But uh, I like routine, you know. Yeah. I, I, I do. And I'm not going to change my routine daily because it's good. I get up and wash you know, do my whole routine thing, mm-hmm. and that's good. But you do have to be able to, to change a little bit and be able to, to handle that change when it comes along. Flexibility. Yeah. Right? Being flexible. Yeah. So... Yeah, change is really difficult. Uh, I I know that firsthand. Uh, when I rolled into TC for the first time, it's like, oh my god, I I'm not ready for this. And mm-hmm. it, I almost uh, told my brother, and I said, I can't do this today. I'll do it tomorrow. Right. You know. <laughs> right. So, for the listeners' sake, TC was Teen Challenge. Teen Challenge. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I started that uh, walk with them in 2012. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been beautiful. Got uh, introduced to Christ through that and uh, met some great people. Here I am today. 
So, yeah, change is really difficult. But uh, when you, when you step across that threshold, you know, and I I forgot which one said it. It's scary until you go across that. You really your your mind is just playing a thousand different things going on. Going, oh my god, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. No, this, I'm not ready. I'm not, I can't do it. But once you step across that line, you go, that wasn't that bad, you know. Right. And then things really start getting better. Then, you know, you know, it's it, it's funny. Uh, I was thinking about the other day when I when I went to the store to to get some. Uh, food items at the store I get out of the truck because we all know my my back and my legs are made, they're all a mess and I'm getting out of the truck and as I'm getting out of the truck and I'm walking up I had to take this one step up on this sidewalk I'm like I really don't want to do this 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 hurts <laughs> way too much and I was thinking I'm, I can just get back in the truck and go back home but then I found myself in the store at the counter opening up the little cupboard thing where the milk was right and my mind was off of it at that point and i'd paid for it and i was back in my truck um there there was a time in my life though if i could apply that to other situations in my life well i would have just turned around and got back in the truck and i just forget about the milk there's just no way you know it's <laughs> yep. just too hard it's too difficult and i'm just not going to do that today i'll get somebody else to get the milk you know, I'll find another way. I'll get it, but I'm not doing it. You know, something as simple as that to, I, I've got to step four. I'm starting to look at myself. I'm putting pen to paper. This is too hard to do. Di- this is too difficult. I'm not going to do that. It's enough that I've admitted my powerlessness and I've accepted God in my life. That's enough. I'll let God do the rest. I've been there too. So yeah, how's God going to do that while you're sitting at home watching TV, right? <laughs> Instead of being out with but, people. But my mindset would right. be, right. He's God; He can change me, no matter where I am, without well, me doing anything. Yeah, which is true; He can. I, I, but I, I don't see that I usually happening. It. No, I mean, <laughs> you gotta you gotta participate, right? It's not a spectator sport, right? This whole change thing. This whole recovery thing. The only thing you have to change is, is everything. everything. <laughs> I remember, you know, you guys are you're talking. We're talking about these, you know, fears and and doing things and pushing through. I remember, uh, you know, when I was sitting in in uh, jail and I started, you know, doing the the process of changing everything. And one of those was called. I called my boss. And he was like, because that was really hard. I just started the job. Usually mm-hmm. in the past, I would have just not done anything because right. well, I'm probably lost my job. And But he's like, yeah, we kind of figured something like, you know, I got a DUI, DVI, for those that don't know. But uh, he was like, yeah, we kind of figured that something like that happened. And we were going to, we were just about to send somebody out Tr- looking, track you down looking for you and i'm like huh you know in my head i'm like what right you don't even like know me i've only worked there for four months of course part of my you know my ego kind of jumped in there for a second you know flashed in and flashed out it's like yeah that's because you're such an awesome worker and do the job <laughs> do the job it's of four, about me. four people and i'm like okay that we got to put that aside. We can't, you know, go there. But I was like, wow, you know, thank you. You know, it was like, uh, I, everything that I did, uh, asking for help was the main kind of theme because I never asked for help mm. in my entire life. I never asked for help and never apologized mm. for anything. Mm. And so that was like, that was a hard thing to start doing, you know, asking for help. And so I started doing that right from, I had to do that. I couldn't put it off because I know if I would have put it off, I might not have gotten to it. You know, and I I was, you know, I, God kind of put it on my, on my spirit that if I continued to do what I was doing, that I wouldn't be long in this world. And he had something else planned for me. And so I was like, okay, um, 
but that was probably the hardest thing is doing that. And then after I'd been in <laughs> talking about going back to work and dealing with people, you know, mm-hmm. everybody was like walking on eggshells when I got back. Everybody knew what happened, which is like that's an uncomfortable moment. Oh, right. That's really <laughs> uncomfortable. And yeah. it was uh, the guy that I usually worked with, you know, uh, on the trucks when I worked with people. Um, he was like, so how should we treat you? <laughs> I'm like, what? Like an egg. I'm like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like an egg. I'm like, how about, you know, just like normal, except maybe be a little nicer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't be a monkey's butt. Bring me a sandwich. <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, that was, it was a weird deal, you know, and uh, it was, I, I call that, I consider that place of my recovery job. Um, because I got to practice some of those things that, you know, uh, that I learned. And also when I needed to make an, an amends, like right away, right. I got the opportunity to do that. Um, but anyway, uh, the point I was trying to make is like, after my big thing was I would come in right when the bell would ring, right? That's, that's coming to work on time. I walk in the door and the bell rings. Yeah. No one ever said anything to me, but after, you know, I got out of treatment and it was probably, you know, a few weeks after I went back to work, I got called and (laughs) got called into the the office Mm -hmm. and my boss handed me an envelope and I'm like, oh, Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, yeah. that's not a good good sign. sign. And so I, he was on the phone. I went and took it, and I sat down in the break room, which is right outside his office. And I opened it up, and I'm looking at it, and it's it's a check. And I'm like, crap. And then I said, okay, let's let's think about this. What is what is happening here? What is the message? So typically, you know, you get a check, it's you're done. As the right? blood, as the blood pressure yeah. soars. Right? No, I was actually very calm and I was like I was at peace. It was a weird deal. But then I looked at him and I'm like thinking logically, I'm like, well, this is only this isn't my whole check. Right? So what's up? So is this a test? Yeah. Right? So I'm like, okay. So I waited till he was off the phone and I went in there and I just basically kind of, you know, threw myself on the mercy of the court. <laughs> and he basically said, you can't, you know, being on time is being at your station with your toolbox open and a wrench in your hand mm-hmm. when the bell rings. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. So I, you know, I made sure that I got there in this one day. I, for whatever reason, I ended up, I can't even remember what was going on. All I remember is that, I had a freaking panic attack because there was like, I was driving like 110 miles an hour to get to work. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's how late mm-hmm. I was going to be. And I realized that no matter, you know, what I did, there's no way that I was going to get there on time. Yeah. And so as I was getting closer and closer, I was having a full on, full blown panic attack and it got worse and worse the closer I got to work. And I, I made a, you know, executive decision and i called in and uh you know said oh i'm not i'm not going to make it in today mm-hmm. and i turned around and went, went back and i i noticed that as the farther away i got that you know the panic attacks started to go away but that was one of those fear moments mm-hmm. that changed things for me so now you know i'm half hour early yeah an hour early yeah. whatever yeah i mean it doesn't yeah. Or I leave, yeah. you know, when I remember I was working in Minneapolis, I would leave. So, I mean, I would get to work at six o'clock in the morning. But if I left like even 15 minutes later than I, than I did, mm-hmm. I would be in traffic for two hours. Instead of 45 minutes, it would be a two hour painful drive in, right. in traffic. Yeah. So, yeah. I've always practiced on time is late. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, we are we are out of time and I I'm wondering if we can continue this discussion um on our sure. next show. The reason I'm saying that is because I just I it just dawned on me to maybe talk about the topic of resistance to change when you're the other person and you are experiencing the other guy changing. Sure. 
right? Can we talk about that uh, on our next show? With, yeah, and with you the know, listener, listeners can you know write in and share their comments yeah. or something that you want us to talk about or be- address. Be- because there too. there are people that are like you know this is all well and good. But, you know, uh, Johnny or, or Lisa or my husband or my kid or whatever, they're doing all this changing. You know, they're going to they're, they're in meetings all the time. They're going to church or doing this. They're become, becoming fanatical <laughs> about it. I don't know how to deal with this. I w- it was easier for me to deal with them when they were using. Right. Because that was familiar. So when we when we come back uh, next month to, to, to do Entitled to Overcome, let's talk about experiencing other people as they're yeah. changing that's great because that can yeah. be a, a huge it, issue and it can be equally challenging yeah yeah absolutely well denver say goodbye bye goodbye, <laughs> goodbye denver <laughs> dave say goodbye goodbye dave <laughs> all goodbye, right denver uh listen our closing song it's not goodbye it's just yeah till next uh, time toodaloo yeah. to- tweedles <laughs> All right. Um, Freebomusic.com is his website. Here's a song by Freebo. Talking about change. It's entitled, You Don't Have to Live That Way. You know, the way you were living, you know, when it was a mess. So here's Freebo. Check it out. <laughs> Outside your home, and you wonder why your destiny has left you all alone. You dignify your suffering, but deep inside you know you don't have to live this way. You come off tough and callous. Like you don't give a damn Like you got some kind of blueprint For your castles in the sand But everything you try to build Keeps slipping through your hand You don't have to live this way You don't have to live this way You don't All you've been through You don't have to lay down And die like you do If you want to move forward You can't hide You might have to go way down And find it inside You don't have to live this way You don't have to live this way
And isn't it the truth? You don't have to live this way anymore. The song by Freebo. For more of his great recovery-focused music, visit his website at FreeboMusic.com. All right. From Dave Fleming and myself and the Take 12 Recovery Radio family, we are reminding you that because of God's grace, you are entitled to overcome. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.